0: Bless. All right. Well, tonight, as we often do, we want to continue the theme of dealing with fear in our lives. Okay, and uh, I want to start out tonight in Numbers chapter thirteen. So, if you'll go back to the beginning of the Bible and flip over a few books, you're going to find the book of Numbers. And the sermon title today is also kind of the theme of, of the message tonight. It's called Grasshoppers, Giants, and God. Grasshoppers, Giants, and God. So, what do you do in life? What do you do with your life when, A, you see yourself as a grasshopper and every problem you've got seems like a giant? What do you do when you see yourself as a grasshopper and every problem that you face seems like a giant? And the answer is God. The answer is God. Now, this scripture, of course is the one, starting out, is the one where the report comes back from the 12 spies about the promised land and the report that they bring, all right? Now, I want you to take home, and if you do a note-taking thing in the night, the thing I kind of want you to write down and kind of remember tonight is, is that fear is the single most thing that can keep us from experiencing God's best. Fear is the single most important thing or strongest thing that can keep us from experiencing God's best. If God can keep us paralyzed by fear, we will not experience what he has for us. As a child of God, it paralyzes, it stagnates us. I know personally in my life, and those of you who know me best, know me well, will know that you know projects. Sometimes Judy, especially, will tell you projects overwhelm me. When I look at a room that needs to be painted, it's hard to pick the spot where you're going to start painting at, and often that room stays unpainted. We have we have some trim in my room, and and every time I talk about fixing the house up, I say Judy, we need to trim this. We need to paint this trim. And guess what? The, the sisters came and the trim's not painted because I don't know where to start and it paralyzes me. Well, that's what fear does. Now, now we've said that Moses has selected the twelve and they've gone into the, the, what is to be the promised land and they're ready to come back out and they bring their report. And that's where we pick up in Numbers 13, 27. Now, they reported to Moses, the, the men did... We have, we have went into the land where you sent us and indeed it is flowing with milk and honey and here is some of its fruit. So we begin tonight with good news. The men go into the, to the promised land and they come back and say, you know what? We have gone to this land, and it is as advertised. It is a land flowing with milk and honey, and the fruit there is just tremendous. So they start out with this wonderful good news, and then they move into what I call Debbie Downer number one. Now, after I looked at this, even before I I came to church, they aren't too far off track here yet. Now, it is a Debbie Downer, but it's a minor Debbie Downer, because here's what they say. However pause i gotta be honest with you you know do you remember in high school when when you're dating a girl okay and and they said something like i really like you but you, you know whenever that but shows up you, you kind of go oh this is not going to go well okay or maybe when your wife your wife says to you honey i love you but and it's like your feet stink Never mind, it's another issue. Anyway, and so so you hear that, okay? Now, and i can I be very candid with you. We pastors know something. When you walk into our offices with these words, I love you, pastor, but it ain't going to end well. It ain't going to end well. So, so this is kind of what happens here, though. We've got the good news, and then they say, However, however, the people living in the land are strong. Let me ask you a question. Was that true or false? It was true. It was true. Now, keep in mind, let's just flash back for a moment to, to, um, to John 16, okay? In the world you will have tribulation. Remember, Jesus, when he took them to the other side, said, we're going to the other side of the, of the shore, okay? He did not promise perfect weather. He did not promise there would be no storms. He simply said, we're going to the other side. When God promised the nation of Israel the promised land, he never said it was going to be a cakewalk. He simply said they would be victorious. So it was true. The people in the land were strong, and the cities were large, and they were fortified, and there were walls. All of that is true. We saw the descendants of Anak there, and Anak was the source or the relatives of the giants. And so there were people that were there, at least in their eyes, seemed to be giants and probably were giants. The um, I, 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 <laughs> I practice this before church. The Amalekites, there we go. Amalekites, you slow down, you can get in there are living in the land in the Jev. The the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live by the sea along the Jordan. So this was going to be a task, but again, keep in mind, it was not a task because of who was going to go with them. So the Bible says in verse 30, Caleb quieted the people. Now, what do you think that means? What do you think that means? They started murmuring. I mean, the nation of Israel is famous for murmuring. I mean, you know, there's no water, they murmur. There's no meat, they murmur. There's no food, they murmur. They're great murmurers, okay? And so when they start hearing this report, now, really, do you see what I'm saying about this, a little Debbie Downer? They were reporting the truth, okay? But when they said, however, they kind of set them up for bad news, okay? So this is going to be a, under, a huge undertaking. And so Caleb starts quieting the murmuring of the people. Whoa, 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 he says. Stop. He says this. Let's go up now and take possession of the land because we can certainly conquer it. Now, I love Caleb because Caleb was really more than a positive thinker, but he just simply believed God. You know, it's kind of like David. Have you ever thought about this? I mean, you've heard this before. I don't think it's original with me, uh, not even in these words. But, you know, David, when the Israelites saw Goliath, they saw a giant, okay? And when David saw Goliath, he saw a target too big to miss. See the perspective? So so Caleb, as a man of God, says all that might be true, but we can certainly conquer it. So, so here's the deal. Who's your we? See, Caleb, when we said we, he wasn't talking about 12 tribes of people. I don't think so. I think he was talking about 12 tribes of people plus God. 12 tribes of people plus God. He said, when he said we, he said God and us can do this. Now, here's the question. Who's in your we? Who isn't in your world today? All right, Who's in your world today? When you have your we, does it include God? When, when you're facing a difficult circumstance, when you're fearful about your job, when you're fearful about your health, when things seem to be hard, does your we include God? It should. It should. Because God puts everything in perspective all right so because we can certainly take it them and god can now this is where it really gets serious this is like debbie downer bigger okay and verse number 31 it says but the men who had gone up with him responded we can't attack the people because they are stronger than we are okay now get this now get this notice the difference in the tenor of the report it went from yeah there's these people here to we can't do this what was the changing factor? Fear. Can you go a little more further with me? The people. The people. The people. See, when they started hearing the vast, come on, come on now, stay with me. When they heard the vast majority of the people murmuring, they realized that they were going down a limb, limb that might get cut off. It's amazing how quick they changed the tenor of the report when they saw the people were not on board. Let me ask you a question. Do you let the world dictate your faith? You know, we live in a more and more Christian hostile society. The idea and concept, again, that this is still a Judeo-Christian culture is simply wrong. We're post christian all right, we're heading down the same path of, of Canada and Europe. OK? We're heading down those very same paths, and, and far along down that path, and you've got to have to make a decision in your life that are you going to listen to the naysayers of a lost world? Are you going to listen to the naysayers of a lost world, or are you going to believe the word of God? You've got to nail that down. You've got to come down. God has given us this blessed book, this inspired, infallible word of God. He's given it to us as a guide, as direction, as encouragement. And we've got to decide, are we going to believe it or are we not? And I will promise you this. When he said we cannot attack the, these people because they're stronger than we are, here was the problem. There we did not include God. That's why they were defeatists. They were defeated because they looked at that and said, "We can't do it." And can we be honest? They could not. When you exclude God, all of a sudden you can't. Man, as we journey through this world today, if you don't have God in your we, you can't do it. I think did not Paul write some obscure verse about, "I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me." Yeah, I think Philippians four thirteen. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So, so when you don't have God in your we, all of a sudden you can't. You can't. Now, I, I wrote down my notes because I thought it was kind of funny. We can't attack the people. Well, they, they could attack them. But because their we didn't include God, they couldn't whoop them. They could attack, they just couldn't win. But when you put God in the equation, you always, he always wins. Put it that way. Well, it goes on down now. It gets worse. Verse number 32. So, they gave a negative report to the Israelites about the land that they had scouted. Now, listen how it changes everything. The land we passed through to explore is one that devours its inhabitants. So, we went from oh, it's a wonderful land. It's flowing with milk and honey and look at the fruit that's here. Now the report reads, the same ten guys, this now the report reads, it's one that devours its inhabitants. It's one that consumes its own people. What happened, fear? Fear. See how fear changes the perspective? It goes on and says this, and all the people saw in it are the men of giant size. So now we went from, oh, by the way, we saw some relatives uh, of, of the giants where everywhere we looked there was giants. And isn't that true? When you start seeing giants, they multiply. When you live in fear, everything gets harder and everything gets bigger. Every problem is magnified. So now they're saying, all the people we saw in it are men of great size. And then they do nail it down and say this. We even saw the men of Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak, and who come from Nephilia. So we saw, we saw giant men, and we saw bigger men. So that was the setup. And you know what's crazy? Do you remember what this report does? It cost them 40 years. What should have taken a few months to do turned into 40 years. And fear does that again. Fear takes things and multiplies it and drags out longer and longer and longer. And the people of Israel wandered around in the wilderness for 40 years because they believed a negative report. They wouldn't believe God, and they believed a negative report. So finally, in closing, he said, not in closing... Just closing this part. Don't want you to get your hopes up. (laughs) Dang, got the sisters here and he preached 20 minutes. Shoot that thing. Numbers 13, 33. So, now listen, listen, listen. To ourselves, this is sad. This is nothing but sad. To ourselves, we seemed like grasshoppers. And we must have seemed the same to them. That is because of fear. Are you getting this? I'm telling you, fear will make you think you're a grasshopper. And fear will make you think everyone else sees you as a grasshopper. Fear will make you think you can never win, you can never concede, you're a failure, and you'll always be a failure. There's nothing God can do for you because God's not strong enough. And then you start believing that everyone else feels that way too. And you know what that is? That would be a lie from hell. That would be a lie from hell. You know, you're not just an old sinner saved by grace. You are a child of God. Amen. You are a child of God. Love the song this morning. No longer a slave to fear. We are blood redeemed children of God. Don't let Satan steal that perspective from you. Remember who you are and what he has done for you and what he has made you by his grace and by his power and by his blood. So, with all that said, so, so how do you do that? How do you do that? Well, I need to just be honest with you about one thing. It's choice. It's choice. Again, with every person... We believe this. With every person that when they receive Jesus Christ as Savior, if they are born again, then they are regenerated by the power of God through the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes and lives within you. So every believer has God's power through the Holy Spirit living within them. So then, if God's power through the Holy Spirit lives within us, then it simply becomes a choice of surrendering and using that power. Would you say amen to that? Okay? Again, it's not us. It's not us 12. I think I can do this. It is God with us. We can do this. Okay? And that's the power of Philippians 4.13. So, now I'm going to jump up to, real quick, to Philippians chapter 4. And let's look at the recipe. Let's see what God's Word in the New Testament says about how can we be fear overcomers. How can we be fear overcomers. What do you do when you're a land that sees you as a grasshopper and everyone looks like a giant. Okay. This is what Paul writes. Now it's important we keep mind of this. That when Paul writes Philippians he's not checked into the Holiday Inn Express. Okay. He's living in a Roman prison. It's dark. It's dank. And he's going to die. Okay. He's going to die. If his life is closing to an end, he's going to be executed before too long, okay? So the man who writes this is not in the lap of luxury. He's in the lap of suffering, all right? And he writes these words and is a recipe for overcoming fear. And the first thing he says is this, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Rejoice! So the first thing in, over, in this recipe from Paul in overcoming fear is that we must choose joy over fear. Now, do you remember this morning we talked about the fact that, that the, the prince of the power of the air in Ephesians 2.2 2 stirred up a windstorm and that caused the waves and the waves threatened the boat. Okay, and so I want to come back to that now tonight and say this, that the Prince of Power wants to stir up circumstances in our lives. Now, oh, by the way, just in case you're misunderstanding something, did Jesus know the storm was coming? Yes. Did Jesus allow the storm to come? Yes. Yes. Again, Satan is the puppet of Almighty God. Okay, Satan is the puppet of Almighty God. Not only did Jesus know it was coming, He allowed it to come for the purpose of teaching the boys about faith. Don't miss that. Don't miss that. So, when we have these circumstances, when Satan comes along and stirs up the ways of your life, stirs up your circumstances of your life, okay, then we have a tendency to let that inside, internalize it, and that causes fear. Okay, now Paul says we have another choice, and that choice is joy. Now, again, for those of you who are visitors tonight, you've not heard me teach this, and I'm certainly not the only one that teaches it, but the truth is happiness depends on circumstances. If my circumstances are good, I can be happy. Okay, joy does not depend on circumstances. Joy is a gift from God, and is free from circumstances. So when Paul says, my circumstances sink, I'm in a Roman prison. That was true. But he could say, rejoice in the Lord, because his joy, the source of his joy, was not circumstances. It was God. So Paul says, choose joy. And notice he says, rejoice in what? In the Lord. He doesn't say, rejoice in my circumstances. He just said, didn't say rejoice because things are going good. He didn't say rejoice because you know the sun's shining today. No, he said rejoice in the Lord. And then he says do it always. In fact, I'll say it again, rejoice. And then he slips something in. You kind of go, okay, recipe of fear. How does this fit? Let your graciousness be known to everyone. Let your kindness be known to everyone. Let your mercifulness if that's a word, be known to everyone. And, and what is that? Okay. Thursday, I got to whine a minute. Will you all let me whine a minute? I, I whine a lot. Well, you know that. So, so I got, I swung by the pharmacy to pick up a couple of prescriptions on Wednesday. And the guy said, you know, I said, can I, you all give these flu shots and these, these uh, shingle shots? Yeah, they do. That's okay. So I'd like to get those. Okay, come come on come on inside. So we came inside and you know we shot shot one in each arm. You know instantly this one got sore and I was whining Judy about that. This one was okay. You know but the next day I woke up and I, they say I know I know what they say. This is a dead virus. It cannot give you the flu and I didn't get the flu. But I want to tell you something. My body hurt. My body hurt and I was just like I like hurty. Okay. So about. Well, I was home on lunch. Linda Summers called and said, hey, can you come to the nursing home and see me? I said, okay, Linda, I've got to go back to the office and read the newsletter um, and proofread it, and then I can come after that. And in my heart, I'm going, you know, I don't feel like going to the nursing home. I feel like being in the nursing home, okay? <laughs> and so, and so I, I went and I get in there And all of a sudden the blessings start flowing. As Linda Summers, this angel of God who suffered the MS forever, just starts oozing all over me. And I walk out of that building a different person. And and it happened because I got my eyes off of me and my eyes on someone else. And that's what he says, let your graciousness be known. He teaches us, to get our eyes off ourselves. And when your eyes are on you, are not on you, you won't be as fearful. You won't be. You won't be. Um, may I throw this out to you tonight? You know, if you all know Linda Summer, Summers, you know, we, we get a cold or the flu or a sore arm or something and we complain. And then we look at someone like Linda who's dealt with suffering since she was 29 years old. And she's older than me. And so, so when you see that, it helps you understand something. I got, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. That's a good antidote to fear. I'm blessed. And if God, listen, if God can take care of Linda Summers with MS for since she was 29, you know what? I bet God can take care of me too. I bet God can take care of me too. So he says, let your graciousness, your kindness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. The Lord is near. Now, I think Paul has in mind there the coming of the Lord is near. I understand that. But at the same time, I know this the closer I am to God, the greater my faith. And the further away from God, my lack of faith. So when Paul says Lord is near, we know he's coming, but we also know he's close to us. He's close to us. So he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your kindness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. And then he says in verse number six, Don't worry. Don't worry. Now, without with again, without any way breaking the integrity of the Word of God, I think we can say, don't fear. Because worry is just a form of fear. Um, don't what if. Because again, worry is a form of what if. Okay, so, so Paul says, don't worry. Well, don't worry about what? Don't worry about anything. Anything. Because one thing I'm learning, and I don't understand, there's so much this I don't understand, and I don't fully understand the sovereignty of God, but I really have come to believe in my 64 years that That everything that is in my life has been filtered through the Father. Okay? Do you believe that? God filters everything in your life. Our God is sovereign. Okay? And He filters everything in my life. Um, The steps of a good man, my verse, Psalm 37, 23. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and He delights in our path. He delights in our path. So God orders my steps, and it's always a path that He delights in. And he delights in it. So don't worry about anything because everything that occurs in your life is filtered by the Father. I know the boys would go, we don't want this storm. And, and obviously it was filtered by God and yet the lessons they learned would serve them well after Jesus Christ was crucified and he resurrected and ascended to the Father and they're by, they're by themselves. Those lessons about faith serve them well. And the things that you go through in your life that you don't particularly like, that were Father filtered, will serve you well Later in the future, I was, and I've heard it before. I was so blown away by Katie's testimony this morning. Her, I, I so honor her and her transparency in sharing that. And you know, and I don't know how Katie. I, although I think she almost said it this morning that that she wouldn't choose that path again, but how valuable that path is. So, so when you understand things are filtered by the Father, okay. Selling in that. Rejoice um, in that. And now he says this. Don't worry about anything but in everything. Do you see the contrast there? Don't worry about anything but everything. Okay? And everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving presents your request to God. So it appears that Paul is teaching that the antidote to fear, one of the antidotes of fear is prayer. It is prayer. That we should spend more time in prayer and instead of being fearful, and worrying, we should pray more. Does that make sense? Isn't it true? I mean, isn't it true? I know, you know, prayer prayer just puts things in perspective. You know, my problem looks so big as I start thinking about God. And David often involves the songs that we're singing. These new songs that we're singing about about grace and God and who He is, it often involves that and it often involves Scripture. There's, there's songs to sing in prayer and there's Scriptures to quote in prayer. And when you do that, okay, it changes things. You know, I wrote down, and I looked up and said, in relationships, okay, and also if you're a supervisor, if you're a team leader, if you're a coach, um, and if, in relationships, you need to give five positive comments. Now, ladies, you need to listen to this for your husbands, okay? You need to give five, because I know the husbands are always messing up. Five positive comments for every negative one. So, five to one ratio. That's, by the way, that's a study. That is true. Okay? So, actually, actually another, the latest study says 5.6. 5.6 positive comments before we give one negative comment. Well, there is no correlation here. But I'm going to make it anyway. It seems logical to me if to maintain good relationships that I should give five positive, one negative. I think our prayer life should be five parts prayer to one part, hey God. Come on now. I mean, we don't, you know, you know what do you do? You get in trouble, and the first thing you fall down your face before God and say, God, I need. Why don't you worship Him some? You know, if we'll spend more time in worship in our prayer life, we might just see God get bigger and our problems get smaller. I know we first thing we want to do is cry out and say, God, I need you. But perhaps we should worship some. And maybe five to one, five minutes of praise for one minute of, hey God, is not a good It's not a bad ratio. Perhaps it's a good ratio. So so don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer, through worship. Through worship and petition, being specific in our request, with gratitude, thank you, God. Present your request to God. Okay? That's a great fear overcomer. We need to pray more. And, and don't wait, and don't wait until you're in the storm. Pray before the storm. Make, make prayer your habit before the storm. Make it a daily thing. All right? Then in verse 7, if we do that, Paul says, and the peace of God. Which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And man, that verse is just loaded. It's just loaded. And the peace of God. Now, I referenced this verse this morning and didn't say anything about it because it's right at the end of the message. It's John fourteen twenty seven, And I shared it on Wednesday night not too long ago. John fourteen twenty seven says, this is Jesus speaking, again, hours before the cross. Peace I leave with you. So Jesus looks at the guys and says, I'm leaving you peace. All right? Now watch. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. So I'm giving you peace, but not any kind of, just any kind of peace. I'm giving you my peace, not as the world gives, my peace I give. Now what is the difference between worldly peace and Jesus' peace and God peace? All right? Worldly peace depends on... Circumstances. Remember we just taught that? Remember, if your circumstances are good, woo-hoo, got peace. Life is good. You know, all right. But that's dependent on if the world's good. No. Jesus says, I'm going to give you something better. I'm going to give you my peace. And my peace says, my Father's in control. I don't have to worry. What I can't... What I can't see, God sees. What I don't know, God knows. What I can't hear, God hears. And what I can't do, my God can do. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. Now, I like this. The how can you peace now that's that that's when someone you're you're sitting there and your world's literally in a chaos and somebody walks up and goes how can you have peace and chaos that would be god that would be god or the or the i can't explain it i can't explain it. peace you know how can you be this way in this chaos well i can't explain it paul said it's the peace that passes all understanding It's the the Jesus in the boat asleep at the stern during the storm. Even though water's splashing on him, the waves are coming in. It's the peace that allows you to put your head on your pillow and sleep anyway. And that can only come from God. That's not a mind trick. That's no tricky words. That's just God. And Paul says, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, now don't miss this, will guard your heart's And minds will guard, will be essential for your hearts and your minds. Now, we know when the Bible talks about heart, we know it's not talking about the thing pumping in our chest, okay? Heart is the seat of our emotions. Now, when we're fearful, what happens to our emotions? They go all over the place, okay? Okay? in fact, so many wrong decisions are made because of our emotions. We make an emotional decision. If Paul says we'll pray more and worry less, then our hearts will be guarded by the peace of God. And what's our mind do? The intellect. The logical. The logical. You know, we start thinking, well, this is what I ought to do. Paul says, no, no, you should pray more and think less. And the peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds. How? In Christ Jesus. So I'm prepared tonight to tell you that in our world, in our world, this is something that applies to every one of us. You know, sometimes you preach a message and, and some people go, yeah, I've, got, I've grown past that. I'm not bragging. I've just grown past that. But I honestly believe this fear factor, uh, the fear monger in this world is something we all deal with to various degrees. And I pray today, as, as we close out this day, um, if there's a nugget to take home, you remember that fear will rob us of God's best. It just will. However, Paul says to choose joy. Let your graciousness be there. Understand that God is near. And don't worry. Instead, pray. Don't worry. Pray and trust God. And trust God. Let's pray together. Well, Father, I sure thank you for the privilege of mine of sharing tonight your word again. And I know something, God. I know this is one of those times it sure sounds easy coming out of my mouth in this pulpit. And the truth is, sometimes it's really difficult to do the exact thing we preached about today. But God, I do believe that with, all, with you all things are possible. That you are not in any way limited. That you can be the overcomer. You are the overcomer of all things. So Father, I pray for me and I pray for us tonight. Father, we leave this day, that we'll understand, Father, that you did not bring fear into the world, and you certainly do not bring it into our lives. We know that through Christ we are victorious. Help us to live that way. Help us to stop seeing ourselves as grasshoppers and everything else as giants, and know that you are greater always. And Jesus, we pray this in your precious name.